Did you hear that? I do. Hello. Um, hello. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to connect to you on, on Skype, but it says that you're offline. I'm just, I'm just logging in. Oh, perfect. <laughs> okay, so give me one second. Okay, good. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll connect with you in a second. Bye-bye. One o'clock. Calls at one o'clock. <laughs> but one o'clock. But the, this is the thing that's that's the best is that. Oh, how was the quality of your call? I, w- I would say a three, because because <laughs> usually it's it we do it in a different way. Um, I, at one o'clock, twelve twenty six. Um, uh, I, I asked him to confirm that he has a microphone and a headset, and he goes, I do. Do you call me on Skype, or is there a dial-in? And then I say, I'll call you on Skype in about 15 minutes. Then he responds with thumbs up, and that was, uh, that was like 10, 10 to 1. <sighs> maybe, it's, maybe he's on the Calgary time. He's uh, West I, I don't think he really wants to be on the podcast. No, you he, know? Wants, he wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> if somebody wanted to be on the podcast, they'd show up on time and I'm, prepared. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to call. I'm calling him now. Okay. We leave this all in. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's in the show. It's in the show. It's what they say. Ah, there, there he is. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love technology. <laughs> oh. is, is Dr. Schaffner here? I'm here. Hey, nice to see you. Well, I, was, nice I, I, was here, I was here at one. Yeah. <laughs> the time we were supposed to start. So was I. I just wasn't uh, yeah. to Skype. <laughs> That's what I mean by here. I mean oh. ready on Skype, ready to go, yeah, like a professional, like a oh. professional <laughs> podcast person. Like, you've got a career. Do you know if it all goes south with safety? You've got a career in being a professional podcast. I I don't. I, you know, uh, it, there's money to be made, but I but not by me. No, no not by us. <laughs> yeah, any of us. Hence, we're all in work. Right. <laughs> right, right. Well, well speak, I'm this a is work. Your professor, speak for yourself. Yeah, I don't really work. This is work related. Work work uh, adjacent. Oh well, yeah. Let's not start on that. Uh, let's not go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> Any, uh, how are you, gents? Are we recording, by the way? We're oh, recording. We're, yeah, we're okay, recording. So obviously you didn't we've give been, me my we've warning. We've been doing a show for 10 minutes while we waited for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You didn't give me my warning not to swear that was on. No, okay. no, it's okay. We, we've uh, uh, we've we'll, dealt we'll, with we'll, that. Ben will, ben will yeah. edit that out. Yeah, we oh, can, do you? If it gets, I, if, do if you it gets, actually edit these? No. Loosely. I mean, I was going to say, because I've heard them and I'm thinking... What, oh wait! What, what did you edit out? You've listened. You've, yeah, you've actually listen. listened to a show. I have, and Ooh. not just. The, in fact, I didn't actually listen to the one I was on last time. Um, wait, you were on. Others, I know. Yes. Part, so and and that's so. First of all, well, if we're recording, excuse me. <clears throat> how nice was it to see both you gents um, at IFP? Um, you're both looking very well and thin. Okay, <laughs> so I'm not at all jealous. Angry. <laughs> Okay, yeah. but clearly, clearly there's some tapeworms involved somewhere. Right. Because there's no way you lost all that weight since the last time I saw you. So I'm well. just <laughs> I'm leaving that there. Um, but but second of all, I got introduced to a couple of people through mutual friends IFP, and they said, "Oh no, we've met before," and they said, "No, you we met you at IFP," and I said, "No, I've not been here for five years," and then. It just turns out that they are fans of your show, and they thought they had met me because they had heard my lovely Scottish accent on your show. Ah, that's so, amazing. Wait, now when were you on the show? Oh, we. I can't believe. Ago. Remember yeah. when you when I was when we were friends? I guess. Oh, okay. Clearly, <laughs> so I've been dumped for whatever else is going on. <clears throat> okay, I did not remember that. Yes. I, okay. Um, a while ago. 
Okay. All right. Anyway, I'm going to find it. Hence, hence my return visit. Well, you know, it's so funny, because I, I wanted to have forgotten it. I wanted I wanted to um, I wanted to link to a page about you. And so what you do when you want to find somebody these days is you type their name into Google. Um, so when I type in Gordon Hayburn, you know what the top suggestion is to complete the rest of that phrase? Dog show judge. Dog judge. Exactly. Dog judge. Yeah. And then and then and then Gordon Hayburn trophy food. So <laughs> clearly we can tell what you're known for. Yeah. In that that's order. Okay. In that yes. order. But that's OK. So, so I, I did a little. I did a little googling, um, and uh, I, I did remember that you were on the show, Gordon. Just, just if thank we're, you very much. But that's you, why you and I have always been friends. Like. Right, right. If we're looking for for greatest friends on the list, absolutely. I, and, and in fact, you're, you're up there. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you were on episode 140 in November uh, uh, 2017, uh, and the uh, show title was "Dr. Linda is a friend of mine." And I edited about... that show and and picked uh, and picked the image, which is which is from the t- television show Friends. So yeah. uh, yes, yeah. So obviously, that was a memorable performance. So no pressure for today then. <laughs> Right. Well, so, all I remembered is that Gordon was just very insistent on being on being on the show, and I thought we had successfully kept you off, uh, but, yeah. but apparently not. Okay, well, Doctor Schaffner, I don't I don't need to be with your friends. We have got Ben. Right. Right. In fact, yeah, maybe you don't, you don't need ben, me. Can, you don't... Ben, can you edit him out of this show? I, I will. <laughs> I think I can. I think it'll just be you and I having a conversation, and then there'll be with, with occasional pauses. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, anyway, but you were both looking fantastic. So oh, um, it was it was nice to see you. Um, Absolutely. And likewise yeah, no, to you. It, it was it was it was a good conference. I thought. I mean, I hadn't been for a few years, and I think the program is getting a little bit better each time. So that was that was nice to to go back to something a bit different. So yeah, no, it was fun. I. I just couldn't get there for the whole of the weekend because I had some other commitments. In fact, judging dogs. Um, I was actually judging dogs in Wisconsin on the way to the, the um, on the way to IFP. Um, that's how I spend some of my weekends. So I had that or some some travel. So that was fine. But no, it was good to see everybody and, and it was a good conference. Good, good. Well, and and so we came into this episode hot as as sometimes we do uh, when we have uh, when we have some uh, when we have special guests. And so I want to I, I want to like uh, introduce our listeners who maybe have not listened to the whole back catalog of food safety talk as far back as uh, episode one forty. Um, we're joined today by uh, a friend of the podcast, friend of the show, um, Gordon Hayburn, and and I I, I too googled your name. And and I will give uh, a, a a brief bio that I found on the um, in the the brcgs.com website, which is not yes. your website, but it's a good bio. Gordon good. has over thirty years of experience in food manufacturing, food safety, and auditing in both the private and public sector, and is currently the vice president of food safety and quality at Trophy Foods, based in Toronto, Canada. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other good stuff about you, but that's that, that that's the we're going to get into. Um, so some things we're we're going to talk about food safety wise. Uh, wait, I, wait I, I also found a bio for Gordon that I want oh, to read oh, from. Um, so so Gordon's family has owned dogs for as long as he can remember, and he first <laughs> registered a dog with the UK Kennel Club in 1990. Uh, he's he's owned and shown uh, breeds such as the English Setter, the Irish Red and White Setter, the Golden Retriever. Then Labrador Retriever. While he was in the UK, he was active on several committees, including the English Setter Society of Scotland and the Golden Retriever Club of Wales. So I just want our listeners to know all of that, too. Yeah. And, and, and we haven't even touched on the fact that I am a fully qualified and certificated Scottish country dance team. Right. Because that, let's yes. have that for my next visit back. 
Yeah. Well, so, and I, I, and I also, another five years. <laughs> I also want to point out, well, you got to work on getting that up on the Google searches. That's all <laughs> I got to say, because it didn't show up. Um, I also want to say that this week, earlier this week, was National Dog Day. And in in recognition of you being on the show, I had closed the door to my office. But my two dogs, um, and you can judge both of them, um, uh, and you would judge them poorly, I think, because uh, they're not <laughs> purebreds. Um, they were scratching at the door. So now I've opened the door, and, and my dogs are, are here with me to do so the podcast. So they're part of the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, they yeah, really course. are. Yeah. yeah. So, we, so, and we can talk about dog judging if you want to know the some of the ins and outs of <laughs> counting how, counting each dog, each male dog's testicles, and I do. I do. <laughs> What's the right number? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just give you a clue. It's fairly consistent amongst them. So, and, and I'm not going to check anyone else's. I'm going to just trust your. Um, going to trust both your masculinities today. Well, I was going to say there's there's uh, my male dog, my female dog, and me here in the room, but only two testicles. Yeah, and us. let's just leave that there, shall we? Because that's a good that's that's a good um, quiz. <laughs> right for, for another the, time for another time for, yeah, <laughs> for yeah I, th I think that's a good it's a good jumping off point in in uh, food safety <laughs> exactly. food safety food talk, talk trivia welcome to welcome to testicles testicles are us.com yeah <laughs> uh, we were having seriously we were having a, a discussion at my dog show this weekend where i was dog judging um about some dogs um do have testicular implants Wait, and oh. is this a the way to to get around judge? Like, is this a? It's a way to try and fool judges if the dog has either is monarchid or has um, no testicles. Oh my! Who, yeah. And so, so this is a this is a thing. This is a it fraud. is a thing. Ju and, judging and one fraud. of the challenges is, and you just have to trust me on this. They feel quite realistic, uh, so it's hard to tell if there is a fake there. So, uh, yeah, no, apparently because. You know, and, and if you think about it logically, you don't need two testicles necessarily to be fertile. So, of course, but you can't show a dog um, that doesn't have two testicles. Is there? And, and oh, it's in the rules, and you can't, yeah. and therefore you couldn't breed from them, even though they may be fertile. Huh. So, now, now is a whole there... other a whole other podcast? I need to find. I need to find that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> 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 see, this is the thing about podcasts is that. Um, that you could just create it. Maybe maybe it's not even you, – you could just have that uh, be your, your niche uh, around in the podcasting space. So can I just say <laughs> I, – I, Wait. I, 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 I have to say I learned a new word today. I learned the word monorchid, and we'll link to this in, in show notes. Um, uh, yes, that's, uh, yeah. that is really exciting. There you go. And just can I just say you both know my lovely better half, and I was warned – before coming on the show to behave myself. Oh. I can't go home now. Well, he's, the, the problem is he should have warned us, and he didn't. Wait, is this you also, not... Also, can I just say, um, neither of you are favourites, because the question in our household is, why are you invited on for a second time and I've not been invited on once yet? I'll, okay, just so you know, that question did come up. All right. He needs but, to ask. He needs yeah. to ask, and we would we would love to have him on. Actually, he would be a good guest. He's way be much great. better. He would way be, much he better would behaved be. than me. He would be. He would be a great guest. Yeah. You're, actually, you're both. You're both great guests. Thank you very much, Doctor Shaman. Um, and, anyway, and let's I, talk about let's talk food safety. Well, we will. We will. We're not. We're not quite there yet. Good. Um, and I've got a couple of topics I wouldn't mind getting touched on if we have time as well. Well, uh, okay. Good. Good. Well, we've got. So there's one other thing, and I'm. Uh, we'll link to your your Twitter bio um, for those who listen. Uh, people like to follow other people on the on the Twitter. Um, not only. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read directly. Um, 50 something food safety professional, dog lover, 
so we've we've covered that participant yeah. in tennis yeah. and Scottish Scottish country dancing. So we've yeah. we've not talked about the we we we've left off the tennis, and I want to tell you. Um, that uh, tennis, and this is not something I've talked to Don uh, about, but tennis has become a, a new thing in our household because um, my eldest Children. child, yeah. yeah, has started playing. Um, oh. Yeah, he, he went to tennis camp, and now we have been playing almost uh, almost every night. Uh, we'll go, we'll eat dinner, and then we, we have a, a membership to a, a pool and, and tennis court that's in our neighborhood, and we'll go uh, we'll go play tennis. And uh, and the lovely the lovely Danielle, uh, uh, my my uh, my wife, uh, she, my wife, who's far too good for uh, you. Yeah, oh, she is. Uh, but you both, she, I've told you this before. You both married way above your station. Oh, believe know, me. I still believe, don't know how know, you did that. Know. Oh yeah, and I you know, but I feel it's important that I continue to point that out. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> just for the listeners. Every day, I, 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 it is pointed out to <laughs> every, me. Every day, the lovely Danielle tells you. She tells me. Um, so she's she's also just like taken up tennis and, and started playing tennis uh, um, uh, herself. And it, so it's it's like we've we have this new love of of a sport. Uh, I played when I was growing up, but I, I hadn't played tennis in twenty five years. And so I thought of you uh, as we've uh, embarked on this uh, this tennis journey. Uh, in our in our house, and it's been great. It's it is it's one of the um, one of those sports that you can see um, people of all sorts of ages getting involved with, and there's it's good competition. It's fun fun to be outside, and but it's it's also it's accessible to um, eight and ten year olds just as it is to um, to adults who are, who are learning to play as well. It was great. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think I was involved with some tennis clubs in the UK. I think it's great. It's a great family sport, and, and it's great for youngsters. And, and you're right. All you need is a reasonably decent pair of uh, running shoes, I guess you call them, and, and a tennis racket. You don't need any specialist other equipment. You don't need fancy T-shirts and shorts and the pants and the padding and all of that. Now, it is very accessible. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad your children are, are getting you back into it. Yeah, it's been, it's been really, really good. Um, yeah, and, and just to bring it back to <clears throat> Twitter for a minute, Gordon's uh, Twitter page has as the the, the picture across the top is is uh, a picture of him with a tennis ball and tennis racket. And I, I want to say too, you know, if you're if you're worried about adding to the number of tweets that you have to read each day, Gordon is a very light Twitter follow. <laughs> he has not tweeted uh, yet this year in 2019. So right. so by all means, follow okay. him and maybe so shame you know him into tweeting a little more. No. I'm going to have to tweet something. Right, right, right now. Yeah. I might well, tweet about, I tweet about post, how much fun this was. When we, when we post the episode, we'll link to you on Twitter as well. There you go. And then I can just tweet it out to my, my three followers. I think I've got three. 42. 42 followers. Yeah, it's not quality. It's quantity. Oh, is it? Okay. Are you on it? <laughs> We're on it. There you I go. That wrong. It's, in that case, it's quality. I'll leave it there. I, yeah. yeah, I love that. Thank you, Dr. Schaffner and, and Dr. Chapman. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, all right. So before we get too far into, into food safety, there's something else I want to talk about. Sure. Um, and this is because I, I, I know you both of uh, – I know – think of you both as uh, great consumers of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have also in our family started something, and I wanted to get your your thoughts on this. So, did either of you watch uh, the uh, television show Lost? No, the, no, no, no. Well, so and I know of it, but yeah. that's I wasn't a, a follower. So, so this is I'm gonna. So, something else that's popped up in our house is we were sitting around thinking about things that we can watch because it's not hockey season yet. So we basically we have nothing in our home to to consume from an entertainment wise as a family. We've we've watched all of the Avengers movies fifteen times, 
Um, we've seen we've seen Spider Man uh, Homecoming seven hundred times, and and so uh, we we're going through Hulu and Netflix, and came across Lost, which is a TV show that um, that was on fifteen years ago, uh, and it sort of started some of the serial um, type type TV shows, and mm-hmm. um, and so so Danny and the boys and I started watching it, and I don't I, the content doesn't doesn't really matter, <laughs> but what what's been really in, so we Danny and I watched it. In, in real time and there's this whole like um story arc that that gets somewhat disappointing to people at the end that's that that's it the 140 episodes or something like that over seven seasons and and a not a very satisfying ending um so so our kids are now we've we've watched like the first 12 episodes uh since friday um they're they're very much into it but i'm experiencing it in a different way and in a way that I hadn't that didn't exist when I watched it the first time, which is I've been listening to a, a set of podcasts that go through each episode afterwards, like in, in in somewhat real time. So like we'll watch a couple episodes, I'll listen to these these podcasts um, rehashing you know fan theories about what's happening. It's there's a lot of mystery in this, and and it but it made me think about podcasts and made me think about um, technology and the things that that we do now. I can't imagine watching some major event like the Emmys are coming this weekend uh, or not this weekend in a couple of weeks, you know, big award shows. I can't imagine watching that without being on Twitter at the same time or on Facebook. Um, and, and I can't, um, you know, wa- watching TV shows that are, that have all this um, pop culture significance. There's all this like secondary stuff around it. And it's been cool to, cause my kids were expecting that. And I did like, they were like, there's gotta be a podcast about this, right? Like there's got to be there's got to be websites that we can read about what's happening without spoiling what's happening, but there's got to be a podcast. So they kind of forced me to find to find something um, to listen to afterwards uh, about it, and it's it just it's just different. It's not like when this show came out 15 years ago, it didn't it, it, that podcast didn't exist, uh, and and you know there there were forums on and fan boards that people would talk about it, but it's it's just interesting on how we how we consume media differently. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable, uh, to, to do because that's the way it's the way that they, like that, that they expect it's going to happen is that, that there's going to be, you know, someone's made a podcast and they're going to be able to listen to it so they can think more about it. And they did the same thing with stranger things, um, uh, you know, popular Netflix show. So it's, I I don't know when I, 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 I wanted to just share that because I think it's, it's different. And I think that what we do. Um, in the world of food safety is also like, like that, the way that we talked about outbreaks 15 years ago is totally different because of all the stuff that, that exists. So. Well, I think it's great. And, and you're right. I think that, um, the accessibility of information, the speed of communication is, is all fantastic. And, and again, not to be disparaging, you watch that show 15 years ago and the people who were probably on the fan boards and stuff like that were kind of like the crazy stalker fans, the, the kind of people that <laughs> right. you, you don't really want to know because um, they would scare you in real life. So at least nowadays, with the, everyone is chatting about that. Um, I don't know, I never watched it um, and watched something called Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, so, yeah, Jack, Jack has watched that. Yeah. Okay, so apparently that was fantastic if you're looking for something. something yeah. to watch. No, I agree. The communication is fantastic, and, and I think that it certainly allowed us to get messaging out there way much quicker. Um, and, I, I mean, I still think the... 
the quality of the messaging is not always brilliant and we you know a lot of it's incomplete and then of course but the downside of all of that is um, anybody can tweet and anybody can have a facebook page and anybody can um you know go on the internet and be <coughs> or a self-professed expert in something and sadly uh, you know, the people that are being listened to now is, you know, instead of listening to the Einsteins and the, the Semmelweises and all these really cool people that did people science, now we're just listening to Karen from Facebook and, and she's she's suddenly like the world expert in food safety because she once ate a kumquat or something. I, I don't know. So we need to kind of stop that, um, which is why you guys need to continue to do these fantastic and, and entertaining and educational, I have to say, because a couple I did listen to actually um, learned some interesting stuff. You know, you guys have to keep doing that, but it's it is fun, and yeah, it's, it's it's the way that we're going. I love it. Good, good. Yeah, yeah so just a uh, whoops. Oh, do we lose? Oh, you? We lost him. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. The no, dog's I, got the, the the mute <laughs> the mute button is remarkably un, unintuitive. Um, <clears throat> So a couple of comments. So we did not watch uh, Lost, but there's a couple of other J.J. Uh, Abrams properties that we watched the heck out of, and mostly because my wife really liked him, and that was uh, in, in terms of TV, and that was uh, Fringe um, oh, yeah. as well as Alias. Um, and so those those are, are uh, ones that stuck stuck with me more than Lost, which we never never really got into to Lost. But in terms of podcasts about shows, um, the other the other thing that I want to I want to mention is a, a podcast. And now I've lost my window. A podcast called uh, Greatest Generation, uh, which is a podcast about. Um, the uh, the the uh, Star Trek uh, um, Next Generation uh, television show, oh. uh, and it's ho ho it's hosted by Adam Pranica and Benjamin Harrison, who are actually two of the guys uh, that do um, the I believe that those are the two guys that do the Friendly Fire podcast um, with uh, with a friend of the show and and a friend that we didn't meet up with in Seattle, uh, John Roderick. So. Very so cool. shout out to that. So if you're looking for podcasts about TV shows as you rewatch the TV shows, uh, I think my son watches uh, or, or listens to uh, Greatest Generation. And so uh, it, it's I've never listened, but it's apparently it's it's quite a good show. Um, oh, and then since we're talking about things that we're watching, I have to I have I blanked on the name of this this show, which is terrible because we're watching we're binging it every night now. Um, and it's a show that's been around for a long, long time. And there are multiple, multiple uh, seasons of this. And, and Gordon may be familiar with it, even from his uh, time in the UK, uh, a show called Silent Witness, which is about a Love couple it. of forensic pathologists. And it, yeah. and uh, it wasn't all available to watch online. And, and now recently, I think it's uh, now it's on uh, Prime Video. All of the, the past seasons uh, that we had been missing are, are have dropped on, on Prime Video. So we're watching the heck out of uh, Silent Witness right now. So if you like grisly uh, British uh, murder things, uh, which is apparently <laughs> all we watch in my house, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a winner. So That is a winner. That's a good one. And actually, um, that show stimulated, and, and I've actually spoke at uh, another conference, not AFP, on the fact that I thought food safety should be really considered a forensic science. Food safety mm. auditing mm -hmm. should be a forensic mm. science because this whole notion, I mean, what we know is we have a body. Yep. What we don't know is what the real cause of death was. And, and rather than try and automatically just explore everything and give everything equal credence, we should be using a more forensic approach to what's way more likely to have happened and so on. And it would allow auditors, and, and this will come up um, a bit later on because I know um, Andrew is going to reach out to Ben to talk about IFP for next year for auditing. But the, um, you know, this will allow auditors to actually spend their time way much more um, appropriately 
focusing in on those aspects that are likely to add more value and give much more meaningful results. And I do think that food safety auditing shouldn't be it shouldn't be you know general medicine. It should be genuinely forensic, where you really probe in the areas that that need to be um, need to be discovered or or explored rather. And, um, oh, and so, that's and that's a that's so that was a really nice uh, segue back to food safety, and that's a really good point because you know the thing the thing that has always bugged me about auditing is it just seemed like it was all about checklists, right? Yeah. But this whole idea that you're taking a forensic approach and you're going to look for problems, and if you're going to find them, you're going to dig down into it and find out what's going on. To me, that is much more. Um, rewarding process mm. than just simply looking at checklists, you know, and, and, that, and that, that skill, I mean, anybody can fill out a checklist, right? But that yeah. skill of knowing what to look for and knowing when to ask for more questions, you know, is, uh, that's a, that's gotta be an incredibly valuable skill and, and one that can be taught and can be learned and, and, and again, uh, adds value. So. And it kind of, when I teach auditing, I, I basically, I will teach that good auditors <clears throat> check and challenge. And I mm -hmm. think that we need to get that challenging in a nice way. It's not confrontational, but it's challenging the thought process, challenging why you think this is a risk worth managing and why not this. And it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's just way more interesting, way much more fun to do, uh, to use your knowledge of the subject when you're when you're with the premises or with a company as opposed to. Do you have a HACCP plan? Yeah. Did you have a HACCP team? Yeah. And you kind of know that's not really true. Um, right, then you right. Still, yeah. So who's in the HACCP team? So why are they not all in this room? Why do I only ever see the team leader? Let's go and chat to some of these other people and let's see if the, how much they really did contribute to this HACCP plan that we're looking at that looks very um, manufactured and cultured. Um, so I think that um, auditing, and so I gave that presentation to Chicago, um, I think in March this year. Um, and I might redo it and update it if um, there is a. I know that Andrews is is on the auditing and inspection PDG IFP, and I know they want to do something on uh, auditing next year, and I'd like to get involved in that. So yeah, you, and and I think the forensic aspects, so the silent witness, um, mm -hmm. exactly, they they can't speak. You know, the body can't speak mm -hmm. for itself, so it's up to you to to do a thorough investigation. I, I like the I like the idea that food sign that food auditing. Food safety auditing should be a forensic science, and and that was the title of my, that was the title of the presentation. I'll I'll um I'll try and update it and, and revisit it somewhere because it was a fun it was also a fun presentation to deliver because um, the audience were very engaged. So, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? I'm excited. <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about, Corey? Yeah. A couple of things. Okay, so first of all, let's get stuff out of the way. Um, it's been in, so. Did you ever watch um, talk about TV shows we watched? Um, Glee, uh, the TV uh, show with I, the kids and the thing. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but there, there was that fantastic. Um, she was the gym instructor, Sue Sylvester. Yeah, from uh, uh, she was in Best in Show. She was in Best. Oh, how mm -hmm. fantastic was that? Show? Right. And actually, there was a judge this weekend who looked like they had been in Best in Show. Um, <laughs> and I was every time I saw him move, I thought of Best in Show. But I want to get back to food safety anyway. Jane Lynch on, on is Glee, her name. Yes. On Glee, thank you. On Glee, she used to do this thing called "As Sue Sees It." And I just said she's just to rant about stuff. So I don't want to rant, but as G sees it, okay? First of all, plant-based chicken. What's going on? We're seeing adverts now for KFC are launching plant-based chicken. How is that even a thing? Okay, we need to just get our heads around all this plant-based meat, plant-based chicken. I get it if you want to call this is a plant-based burger. 
because it's a comminuted something with spices. But to physically be advertising something as plant-based chicken, that must simply be illegal. So can anybody explain why plant-based is all the thing and why we stop calling vegetarians vegetarians? <laughs> well, so they, that's there's a, a lot, lot of questions there. There's a, lot a of whole lot to unpack I'm there. just putting it out there because um, you're my experts. Yeah, well, so I'm looking – yeah, so it's a good question. So there's an article on The Verge um, entitled Beyond Meat and KFC Partner to Test Fried Plant-Based uh, Richard Quote Fingers chicken. Uh, yeah. chicken, right? And so that's the way that you get around it is, is you put it in, 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 in air quotes. But, <laughs> but, you're, but I never thought of this before is like a burger – like a burger could be a turkey burger. It could be a beef burger. Hey, guess what? It could be a veggie burger as well, right? Um, yeah. But chicken – well, chicken is just – Chicken, it comes yeah. from poultry, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and well, so, so you know, so, so uh, yeah. And I guess the way, again, the way around it is you put it in, in air quotes. But the um, why is it a thing? I think people are worried that they, they maybe they eat too much meat. Maybe they're worried that um, it's not sustainable for the planet, right? Um, maybe they, so maybe they think it's healthier. I mean, and of course, if you take this, <laughs> looking at this picture on the verge, um, it's a giant fried something. So yeah, I, exactly. it doesn't really seem like. Like it could be quote unquote healthy, but um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I so that's my and I'm not an expert in any of this, but that's that's my perspective on why why these are a thing. You know, well, so, and and I, I guess the I, I'll step back a little bit and say um, we've been doing this for a long time with milk, right? Like milk, mm. yeah. milk, milk has milk. a not yeah, milk. yeah, you're yeah. right. Not milks. I mean, and and there's been um, I'm sure we can <laughs> quickly link to. Uh, a bunch of cases, both in Canada and the U.S., on definitions about calling things milk and that it has, has to be dairy. And it's it, I think it's a complicated situation because, um, you know, we ch chicken may not be chicken, I guess. Right. Like bacon's not bacon. Um, and because we've kind of established that we can call whatever we want milk. And I'm like. I, I get the confusing side of things. I'm actually I'm okay with I'm okay with that um, a, aspect of things. I don't know, um, you know, to your the the root of your question, Gordon. Of it, it is it's illegal. I don't know. I don't know if there's a like if if Health Canada or I guess CFIA has a standard definition of chicken being something that can only come from poultry meat. And if I just call it chicken and put air quotes around it, am I is it really chicken? Yeah, but right, you can't like, get away with air quotes because you can't come to say, well, if I call it healthy and put air quotes around it, does that somehow make it legal? Right, I'm doing, right, right. I'm doing the well, air bunnies with my fingers as I say that. Um, you know, I'm doing air bunnies when I do the chicken. <laughs> you can't just do that because otherwise you, you, you go to court and you say, oh, no, in defense, you weren't there. Had you seen me visually say healthy, you would have seen the air bunnies. That cannot be... That cannot be a legal defense. It's just right. interesting. Also, what's wrong with just being vegetarian? Oh, I, I don't think anything's wrong with just being vegetarian. But clear, actually, so let's move that on. So okay. I, did, I did some uh, research into this on vegetarian and vegan foods and why they were, um, why they seem to be growing, and this whole plant-based um, phenomena, I guess. Um, where everything is now plant-based as opposed to vegetarian. And it was it was actually to do with perception of people who are vegetarian or people who are vegan. And, and most non-vegetarians or non-vegans simply think those people are strange. And that they actually, somebody said, that's a vegetarian is someone who's just not like me. And 
and so on. And, you know, and the joke is, uh, how do you know someone is a vegan? Uh, don't worry, they'll soon tell you in every conversation you have. <laughs> um, so, and, they, and, and they also do CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and believe me, if so, they've been to an Ivy League institution, you're going to hear about that as well. Yeah. But anyway, so it was about... Surprisingly, it was about people think vegetarian and vegan have got quite negative connotation. Um, and so it's, so it's big marketing. But then you look at what's involved in making a plant-based burger huh. and the sustainability and, and the processing and so on. It's not environmentally you're using, I agree with you, Dr. Schaffner, you're using um, you know, you're using vegetables, lentils, and other things, but you're st there's still an awful lot of energy put into to that manufacture. So, just interesting. But I just thought plant-based burgers I can kind of understand, or a plant-based sausage. But KFC have plant-based chicken. I just thought that was interesting to read about today. So, well, and I'm sure you know, big companies like like KFC, they have lawyers, right? And and oh, I'm yeah. sure that they've thought about uh, what they're going to call it, and and they they know what that line is because they don't want to get sued, right? Yeah, so. that's right. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers deciding that they call something chicken. Right. Well, and it's it's <laughs> interesting because they they refer to the product as you know Beyond Meat is the the company that that makes yeah. um, some of these things, and they call they call this Beyond Beyond Chicken. Yeah. So so saying it's it's like uh, I can't believe it's not butter butter. I love that. Right? right. But but is it is like are but we? I in... can't I can't believe <laughs> it's not chicken. Yeah, I can't it's... believe. <laughs> I can't believe anyone thinks I can't believe it's not butter is butter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, I can't believe you can't believe this isn't butter. So, and, right. Yeah. But it, but it's, it's like, and and this, this would be interesting um, to to look into more. And I think it's out of what the three of us do. But there's got to be someone out there that that we can tap into that's yeah. that's looked at. The, the history of so, these naming conventions yeah, and the and, and the and the legal ramifications yeah it's i mean i love the fact that we are inventive i love the fact that we're developing new products i like the fact that we're trying to have a sustainable planet it's great i mean even people at my age um and i won't be here 50 years from now well because i'd be 100 and something so it's unlikely <laughs> but you know, for for people, you know, we need to make sure the planet is sustainable. I mean, you're talking about, you know, your young kids and stuff. So I think it's great that we're doing it. I just always find it intriguing that we always have to have some kind of hook on it to beyond meat. Uh, so anyway, yeah. so that was one of my things. Well, and before we move off of that, I, as you were oh. as you were talking, um, we'll link to this uh, paper in show notes. There's a paper in Appetite, which is sort of like. Uh, great journal that, that I've seen some food safety stuff in, but also I get a lot of culinary trends uh, information. There's a paper that was published in 2017 uh, by Trisha Corrin. Uh, title is Understanding the Attitudes and Perceptions of Vegetarian and Plant-Based Diets to Shape Future Health Promotion Programs. And there's a passage in here that says it really was uh, – the, the paper is kind of, you know, as, as I scan through it um, – it, it was a scoping review. They looked at um, a whole bunch of uh, online records, some papers, some studies. Um, and But there's a passage in here that says, um, while vegetarianism was still the topic of ridicule and jokes, um, and this is uh, you know, with a citation of, a, of another paper, veganism was perceived with, with more negativity. Approximately 74% of newspaper articles in the UK that contained the word vegan were classified as negative. Uh, in these articles, veganism was described as difficult or impossible to maintain and was often discredited through ridicule. Common negative terms associated with uh, veganism included restrictiveness, hippie, fattist, sentimentalist. These are all things that I like. Uh, un <laughs> uh, uh, unhealthy and weak. 
Uh, in addition, a qualitative study reported that there was strong stereotype amongst omnivores that <laughs> vegans, were, and this is where you're, you're getting to, Gordon, the vegans were, were hostile and or confrontational. And so, so the, I, and I, I guess I, I missed this in your, in your initial question, and, and you, I appreciate you clarifying, because it's like, what, what's the problem with being a, a vegan or a vegetarian? You know, and, and, and my thought was nothing, but, but clearly there's some negative perception out there. So, so part of this is, is, is marketing and saying, okay, well, let's just call it plant-based or whatever. Um, and, and, and maybe it's about like not having people feel negative about their, their choices yeah. um, and, and, and having something that's, that's accessible. And I'm, and like I'm, I'm with you. I'm all for. I'm all for it. I'm all for uh, choice. I think the you know marketing is is always um, always interesting. And and where it gets in more problematic is when it steps over to um, this is healthier. This is better for the environment. This is safer. I mean, a, a lot of those questions are the way that it's phrased uh, in in marketing or in communications can be absolutes. But but the three of us know, and and you know many of the listeners know that the that they aren't absolutes, and how we measure that is all going to be different. Um, so, I, yeah, it, I love it. Interesting, and and, and and certainly something that's going in places. Yeah, and, and this and this this reminds me of the very most recent episode of this show where we had on uh, software developer Daniel Jalkett, and he's a vegetarian, and he was he was not obnoxious or confrontational. We had a really good discussion, and it, and I and it, and I've continued to think about that show. Um, well, I think in part because I was also listening to an episode of the talk show that he was on, which was talking about technology and, and a bunch of really interesting things about um, the dangers of using things like uh, Zoom and, and and Dropbox. But 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 Daniel's perspective on on food safety as a, a, a technical person, but not a food safety expert, was really fascinating, and he had some really interesting things to say about about vegetarianism, not specifically, but talking about you know eating eating a vegetarian diet and having people in his family that that were omnivores, not not vegetarians, and it's just you know I think it. it it, the danger comes when we start talking about these, you know, broad sweeping generalizations about, you know, people that are that are that eat this food are like this versus like they're just people. Right. And and they're just people that are choosing to eat a certain way. Well, and maybe they like I mean, I haven't I, I'll, uh, you know, uh, admit to this. I haven't had many of the plant based foods that are um, that, that have become really popular. Um, so I don't, I can't sort of speak to the taste, but maybe there's a situation here where it's like, you know what? I just like the taste of beyond meat better than meat or mm-hmm. yeah. as, well, as even, even if I'm not a vegetarian, even if I'm not searching out a plant-based food diet as my, as my primary source, maybe it's just like it's spiced really well and I like, and it tastes good. Well, and I've heard people say that about the Impossible Burger. I have, right, I've yet right. to try one, but people are saying, you know, it's just, forget about what it's made out of. It's just a really good tasting food. Yeah. But it should be because they're also charging about three dollars more for it in the restaurants here. Yeah, well, it's a good. Yeah, I mean, it's a good. So they're... it's also so it's not only is it good marketing, it's good margin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you know that's that's also a big part of it. Um, this is supposed to be sustainable and so on, um, and healthier for you. I think it's only because it's the, you know, if you buy a plant-based burger, you just can't afford the fries because um, you're spending all the, <laughs> you're spending all the money on the plant-based burger. Uh, anyway, that's good. But that's Dr. good. Schaffner, um, so you mentioned your software visitor, and then you made um, a broad. You said, and he didn't make broad sweeping generalizations. But actually, the next thing I want to talk about is all this stuff going on around software and traceability software, and all these AI things. And um, like, I mean, uh, we can we can absolutely mention. I'm sure um, 
they, they'll be very happy. Uh, blockchain, for blockchain. example. Blockchain, yeah. Yeah. And Hashtag blockchain. Hashtag, Hashtag blockchain. blockchain. Is that what we do? Yeah, yeah, always. Because that shows for making fun of it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. But here's the other thing, though. So blockchain, and I love, so working in what I do, um, traceability is obviously really important. And, and the speed that we can get data is obviously key to making some decisions. So the quicker I can get information on where a product came from or where a product went to, what, uh, which of our um, finished products would have a certain raw material gone in, that allows me to make some very quick and very informed decisions. But what I do hate, and again, and I do hate it, the fact that a lot of these things are being uh, pushed out there as some kind of savior for food safety and they have no part to play in improving the safety of food. And again, I don't know why we're not seeing more challenge to this, because if we take one of those um, data uh, uh, data mining or, or data um, gathering, capturing so software platforms, it's based on the accuracy of the first input. So I can just tell that um, chain that I'm putting, what I'm packing is organic bananas. Right, right. Every, everything else is based on the fact that I told it. But you know what? The thing with criminals is they're criminals and they're quite happy to lie. And therefore, they just pretend that it was an organic banana. It wasn't really. Right. But, I'm, but I'm just saying it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And therefore, you know, we still, we need to still get integrity. Because it won't, it won't improve safety and it won't improve anything. It will just simply get us to a point and it will get us back to that grower, for example. But we will still have to then establish that the grower lied. Right, right. And, yep. and so we need to stop seeing these things for anything other than they are, which is they are fantastic at data capture. They are fantastic at allowing us to get to a point, but they will absolutely not improve food safety in any way, shape or form. And it won't improve integrity in any way, shape or form. And I, I just don't like the idea that we are seeing um, these things being touted as some kind of saviour um, within regulatory frameworks and within businesses and so on. Um, and I don't know that they're ever going to deliver what people have been led to believe they will deliver. And I actually think it's fraudulent to claim that it will do anything other than allow you to trace data. Um, so I, that's another thing. And, and as a manufacturer, we're being asked by companies to provide data and to get involved in some of these systems. And I'm happy to do it, but don't make me pay tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars for something that's not going to deliver anything other than simply it's, it's, it's data transfer. Um, and as I say, I see a lot of this happening. Um, it, has its, it has its fans, absolutely. And I do think the ability to trace very quickly is fantastic. But we should recognise that what we have is something that allows us to taste data very quickly. And we should just celebrate that that's what it does and it does it really well. Um, but the, so the problem with fraud um, is, you know, it's, we have criminals committing fraud. So if they're quite prepared to pretend that your milk doesn't have, you know, some kind of uh, weird protein in or that your bananas are from a certain region or this honey is really honey um, as opposed to sugary liquid. Um, if they're prepared to do that, they're prepared to lie in data. Uh, and, and I think that we still need to, you know, get much stricter around integrity. And that's why that's back to the whole forensic auditing type of thing. So when you go to a premises, um, are you able to establish by looking at 
the information where they're sourcing from and, and mass balance to say, how is it possible that you can sell 100 tonnes of, of this commodity when you only bought five tonnes of the raw material? Um, that's, that's where we could apply forensics to the thing. So those things are... We're being pushed, manufacturers are being pushed into subscribing to a lot of these things. And, and I believe there's... Um, I don't believe there is a lot of misleading statements around what it will do. And, and I just like um, some honesty in, in that sphere as well. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, posts about uh, about uh, blockchain is a Medium article entitled "Blockchain is not only crappy technology but a bad vision for the future," um, and it really debunks some of these these ideas. And, and then your your comments also, Gordon, remind me of one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time. And this comes from Josiah Stamp, who was the uh, director of the Bank of England at one point. Uh, he was born in 1880, died in 1941. And and here's the quote. He says, "The government are very keen on." amassing statistics. They collect them, they add them, they raise them to the nth power, they take the cube root and prepare wonderful diagrams. But you must never forget that every one of those figures comes in the first instance from the village watchman who just puts down whatever he damn pleases. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which goes to your point, right? Like, it's a it's a way of, of uh, tracing, but it's only as good as the inputs into the system. Yeah. And I think we need to, and that's why we need to see its value and it has great value in terms of tracing but it will not make food any safer it will not make the food supply safer um and it will not stop people from committing fraud right because right. they're fraudsters that they're trying to they're trying to find <laughs> the, the very system. nature of the yes. Yeah. yeah yes well yeah, and, and and i would i would add like that's the the, the the insidious uh aspect of it right so there are folks that are just going to deceive and 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 put poor um, data in there because it benefits them. There are also folks at, at lots of parts of the chain that just don't care or, or don't know to care or are missing something and, and will just say, Oh yeah, yeah, everything, everything in here is fine. Don't, don't worry about it. And, and they, it may not be as negligent or as insidious uh, that, uh, uh, of that problem being passed through the food chain and being able to trace it is, is great. And blockchain is an interesting tool um, for that, but it's, yeah, I'm, I, I think we're all, um, in agreement on, it's not a, it, it doesn't make the, my, my impossible burger or my beyond chicken any safer than it was, um, without, without blockchain. Um, it, it, it may have other, um, <clears throat> may have other adjacent abilities to say, okay, well, I'm going to check for these things. So I better be good on all of the, the food safety inputs that I'm putting in. But I don't think we have any data to, to suggest that. I think it's more, more theoretical um, at this point. And it's, and, and I'm, and again, I mean, I think as I get older and, and I'm uh, trying to become as wise as, as the two of you on, on this, the, this is one of the things in a long list of, of items that I've seen in my, you know, shorter, shorter career, um, of this is the thing that's going to save the, the food world, or this is the, the, the magic bullet for, for food safety. Mm. Um, and then it, and it gets uh, pushed out there, but I, I do think that, the, the folks that grasp onto that are the ones who are um, who, who are either new or not as well versed in what the supply chain looks like and are looking for a magic bullet. And, mm -hmm. and I think the, the folks, you know, the three of us and, and not not just us, but there's many, many other people. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll come back to the IAFP community um, as a whole. I think there are a lot of a lot of other folks out there that, that have seen 
um, you know, 40 or 60 or 200 magic silver bullets that are going to save food safety come and go without, without it actually happening. And, mm. and, and you just become more wise to that, right? Like this, to me, everything you, you said, Gordon, um, it could be also transferred to, um, uh, irradiation and could also be transferred to, um, uh, traceability. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's the same, you know, this, we're, there isn't, there isn't a, 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 a simple way. It is complicated. Yeah, and, and I think that's important, but that's why we do have all these bright young people coming through. And, and I do think for all the crap that you see going on in the world, whether it's in food safety or whether it's just in the world in general, you know, and, and, and it's not to bring us down as a group because anyone who heard the early part of this podcast knows that we're normally fairly lighthearted. But the fact is there is always hope and someone will always find some solutions for us, I, I believe. Um, but I just wish that people wouldn't mislead. That's the frustration because the the challenge that you have when you do the job that we do um, is that other people hear these things and somehow believe it. And then we have to then dispel the myth and, and the misinformation, and then we're just seen as being negative or not early adopters or, or lazy because we just don't want to do it. Um, and it does impact. And, and actually, just as we're on this subject, and it's sad, um, and, and I don't know if you read the, the piece the other day, um, the farmer from the U.S., my, my U.S. geography has is, is escaped me at the moment, the farmer who was convicted of the organic grain um, scam. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, he committed suicide. Randy Constant. Yes, he, he killed himself the other day. So um, his family. I mean, like, look at the the negative impact of of this, and and it's because people think there's more money to be made in organic or these claims and so on. Um, and perhaps we should just be supporting really good farming. So, yeah, yeah. And 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 what he did was terrible. I agree, but but to to, to now be in a position where. Um, you know, where he's taken his own life, it's it's just unbelievably sad for for people. So, and that's the you know a, a negative, a negative side effect of of food safety and food safety fraud. It is, and 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 I'll you know, the, the, I, I read that last week, and um, I, Don, I just sent you the link to the yep. um, to it as well for show notes. Um, it, it made me as I was reading this, and Gordon, as, as you were list, you know, thinking about this this story, it made me think about the uh, like other farmers who have been linked to foodborne illnesses, like the Jensen brothers, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, famously, and and other and, and other you know other companies that that have historically been linked. But but when it comes down to in, individuals, and it made me think about like we. It, I, I very much focus on the public health victim side of uh, of foodborne illness, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I very, I'm, I'm very focused on, um, sto- you know, trying to tell stories um, of the individuals that got sick, that they they trusted the food that they that they purchased wasn't going to make them sick because we don't have an expectation that it will, and it did, and and here's here's that sad story, and it the reading about this made me think about the other side of things where um, someone who either it isn't well it might not have done everything they could have but might not have known enough about it or did know and made uh, a poor decision not thinking about the consequences it made, it made me think about the other side of that um as well um mm-hmm. in a in a different way and and I'll we'll link to an um a podcast that Don and I have mentioned before uh Omnibus and an episode uh from about a year ago that that talked about food tampering because there was a a discussion 
in that podcast about things that I hadn't heard about, but linked to food fraud in Asia and um, and, and CEOs um, in uh, I think if, if I'll probably totally butcher this, but I think it was a, a Japanese CEO of a company and a, and you know their quality assurance and I can't remember what the food was, but I think it was a beverage. They um, you know they, they either like both committed suicide or, or something because of the. Um, you know, the shame associated with not being able to control uh, illnesses. Uh, and I hope I have all that right because it's, you know, kind of a um, sad and, and del- mm. delicate conversation. But but I, I, I don't know. I never really I never really thought about it from the producer's side of things. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, the, the, I know your focus is on on health and people being made ill from food and and. The people who are good, um, can I just rephrase this? Anyone who was really good at food science and food safety can probably adulterate food in that they can have something fraudulent and not make people ill. Right, right. So so I get it from that point of view. And if you're buying, you know, winter wheat and the person's claiming it's, it's, it's organic and it's not, the reality is it will still make the same bread loaf and it will still bake the same cakes and it will still end up you know giving you the flavor profile and stuff that you get and and unless there was something really weird contaminant no one would made ill from from that but the but the other thing we need to remember of course as we touch down this one of the one of the key roles that people in our in in, in our area have and certainly if you work in food manufacturing or you work in food law um one of the things you have to remember is as well as protecting the consumer we have a role in protecting the honest trader because people are punished um, by these things. So when, when someone claims a certain food is organic and can somehow sell it at 10, kilos, uh, 10, 10 cents a kilo cheaper than someone else, um, then the honest trader who is actually using the organic raw material and who are investing the money in the right way, they are being disadvantaged because they can't compete against the, the fraudster. Right, right. So we have to make sure that we do protect the honest trader as well. So I know that your focus is, and, and quite correctly, um, a lot of your focus is around consumer um, safety and consumers not being made ill by food. I think when you open it up to what someone like myself does, I want our consumers to have the best experience um, and, and be very safe and enjoy our products. But I also want to make sure that those people that we're buying from um, are getting the value for the raw materials that we buy and that they're not being misled and, and, and they're not being disadvantaged by, you know, by competing against someone who, who clearly isn't telling the truth and who's, who's willfully committing fraud. And that's the other point about about fraud and, and substitution. It's willful disregard. It's, it, it was a conscious decision to do well, it. It's, and, not, it's and, not accidental. Yeah, and, and I want to, and Ben, you mentioned the Jensen brothers. And to me, you know, I think we can paint a continuum, right? On the one side, you have the Jensen brothers who made a bunch of people uh, sick and, and, and killed some people with listeria, but they weren't evil. Right, and, right. And then yes. on the other end of the continuum, let's put our, our uh, good uh, favorite P- whipping boys, PCA. Peanut Corporation yeah. of America, exactly, yeah, um, not, who nuts. were who deliberately shipped contaminated yeah. nuts. If they got test results they didn't like, they had it retested by a different lab. Um, these, these, these bastards are in jail and they deserve it, right? Absolutely, um, yep. Be there and they should be the playthings of all the big boys as well just for <laughs> extra punishment. So. No comment. <laughs> you can edit that out. No, no, it's fine. I think that's fine. <laughs> but they should be because you should, because 
<laughs> I was going to say, because chickens come home to roost. Of course, yeah. unless it's not really chicken. But in that case, it'd be plant-based chickens come home to roost. Beyond chickens come home to roost. So, beyond chickens. Uh, beyond chickens. <laughs> so, so, that, and, beyond chickens and, and, and turkey. Anyway. And, but, and, and, yeah, and Ben, just to close the loop, I think the episode of Omnibus you were talking about was the Tylenol murders one, That's right? Correct. And, we, yep. and we will link to that in show notes for sure. It's 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 well worth a listen, even if you don't. Um, so it's a great podcast. Um, um, but you know, if you're like me and you don't need more podcasts to listen to, uh, but you do enjoy a good uh, one-off, uh, that one is is well worth listening to. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So um, that was that was that's interesting as well. So the whole um, traceability and what it will and won't do. So cool. Uh, so and uh, talking, you know, talking about fraud a little bit and and stuff that um, that folks who aren't maybe uh, close to the food industry um, uh, may not sort of see or think about. Um, there was I, Donna just sent you another thing, uh, yeah. um, but there was a um, an article that that came across uh, um, our feeds earlier this week uh, that was an update to something that that we had back in. March about a, a health inspector at a local health department who faked a whole bunch of reports, um, and, yeah. and 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 he, he didn't fake these reports. You know, there there are lots of ways that you could think that this story goes. Right? It's um, oh, I'm going to go in and and go to my my favorite restaurant, and they're going to give me a free meal, and then I'm going to give them a a, a great score, uh, or. I'm going to go into, uh, you know, 15 restaurants and say, hey, um, I need you guys to pay me uh, before I put, you know, in, you know, basically extort them for, for scores. It really didn't seem that that was the case in this one. Um, it was that uh, the this individual just wasn't doing inspections and he was um, doing reports and never went to the restaurants and just uh, faked the person in charge's uh, signatures. Um, and, and so... So it's it, it's sort of all over the place, you know. When we're talking about food, we are we are absolutely talking about people are in control of of food, and it's not, you know, one of those things that that pops up. I think in the perception side of things is like you know farmers markets versus big business and corporate enter, enter, uh, interests around food. You know, the big is is bad and small is good. It's I mean, it's not. It, it just comes down to people. Right, like you can have you can have really good people <coughs> at at regardless of the size of the operation, do and, and in different jobs, right? Like you can we we have I, I know from listeners to the podcast and the feedback that Don and I get and people that we talk to and all these great questions, we know that there are the you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of of our inspectors, local health departments, or state inspectors, or federal uh, folks, or auditors, they're, they're doing a, a really, really good job. They're focused on asking the right questions. They've, they're, they're, um, they have integrity, um, and, they're, and they're out there doing it on, on behalf of the public to make sure that they're protected. And then there's, you know, then there's cases like this, like this dude who, who wasn't. And, and, and it, you know, the, the more you, you're around it, you see some of these anomalies, and you can see them as, uh, as things that we have to keep our eyes on and, and know about, but um, but you know it's the there's fraud there there's fraud or misgivings on on all sides of this whether it's industry or regulators or yeah. um, you know uh, academics and you know, we've we've seen um, uh, you know stuff out there on on fraudulent you know making up data and, and publishing it or using uh, predatory um, journals to get information out there. I mean there's it's just it comes down to people and people aren't always good. 
and you know, most of the time, I, I have this feeling that people are good, uh, but but there's some bad actors out there that 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 become the um, that become the stories. Well, and yeah, and that's that's why we have laws. That's why we lock our doors. It's not uh, because we don't trust most people. It's just we don't trust the one percent or the point one percent out there. And yeah, and your Ben, your story about the inspector um, made me think of another story um, about. Uh, and it's, I, I'm sure it's happened more than once, but but there's a, a most recent one from the New York Times in 2018 about um, uh, the headline is overwhelmed postal carrier hoarded 17,000 pieces of mail. <laughs> right, officials right. say um, yeah. a post Postal Service in Brooklyn told investigators he, quote, made sure to deliver the important mail, end quote, after he was uh, charged with stashing approximately 17,000 pieces of undelivered mail. And and I wonder I wonder what happened with this with this inspector. Maybe it started insidiously, like he just got busy one day and didn't get to the inspection. And so he submitted a fake report. And then, you know, he did it again a few more times. And then eventually he realized he just didn't have to go to work anymore. He could just write up these reports and submit them. Um, but obviously, uh, he, you know, the truth caught up with him. So. Yeah, but there is unrealistic expectations put on people. Well, um, right. I mean, yeah. they, do have, they do have these schedules. You have to do so many inspections and so many visits and so on. And, and then we, we three, will mock people for these really incredibly light-touch inspections that they do that they don't really look at anything. But then maybe they're not given enough time. Uh, to do the job properly in the first place. And you do get overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, you may have gone to two or three places, um, been doing a really thorough job, realised that you're now four or five inspections behind because you're trying to do it right, and all of a sudden you're caught up in a, a vicious circle. And that, that was actually what drove my thinking around um, a more forensic approach to auditing, because most of these third-party audits, there is a, a, a calculator that says... Them, this size of factory with this many people and this many products and so on should take this number of hours. Um, and that's what the sites um, are expecting to pay for and that's what the auditors are getting paid for. And so, therefore, um, what they do is they say, well, I only have you know, 16 hours or 20 hours in total over the next few days to, to gather all this information and I'm just going to sit and complete a checklist uh, because that's what I have to do because if I don't get that output, um, then I, I won't get paid as opposed to measuring the, you know, the, the effectiveness of, of what they discovered. So um, I, I think the whole thing is is quite messed and, and, and you do feel sorry for the people that, um, you know, the people that are caught up in it. So you're right. right. There can be any number of other underlying drivers. Yeah, and yeah. this is this is why when I when I do a consulting assignment, I I give a quote, but then I say, look, I'm if I if I finish the assignment before I run through that money, I'm only going to charge you for the time I spent. But you know what? If it turns out to be more complicated, I'm going to charge you more than that because I, I, I my time is worth a certain amount, and yeah. and and you're buying my time to help you work on this work oh. on this problem, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not about um a one size fits all approach and some no. problems are easier than others and and you know so uh, yeah so I, I appreciate that huh. yeah, no, we, yeah and we need to yeah we need to keep on top of it but it's also about the you know encouraging the people um who, who work in in these places so you know we you, obviously you mentioned pcm and jensen farms and a few others um and i still believe that these things don't go unnoticed um people know they're happening and i think it's around about awareness and education and 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 how what we can do as a as a, an industry and what we can do as first world countries um, to allow people to communicate um, when they see things like that without them feeling very very vulnerable um, for their job and so on and yeah. and that that can also be quite difficult. 
Well, and, well, yep, and go ahead. I, well, go I've got, I got, yeah, I got two things. I'm going to cut you off, Don, because I want to, I want to talk. Uh, <laughs> um, on on that, Gordon, um, how do do people that see stuff even know that it's out of the ordinary sometimes, right? Like, I I think that, um, yeah, I I was I, I had done some. Um, uh, when I when I was in grad school, I worked uh, with the uh, greenhouse vegetable industry in in Ontario, and and it was at the start of like produce food safety stuff coming up, uh-huh. and 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 it it wasn't. You would go into to the greenhouses and talk about they're making food. There were people that had worked in multiple greenhouses, and this is just the way that it was, right? Like whether they thought it was right or not, it didn't matter when they saw it at three or four different places. It was just the way. Right. And so so that's like empowering individuals to um, to speak up is 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 really, really important. And but help, helping them recognize um, either this is this is good or this is bad or this is normal or this isn't normal is is also part of the, part of this um, part of this discussion. And and I've got a question for you, Gordon, but I want to make sure Don gets you know, get shots on this. Oh, oh. We, we lose. Him. Sorry, he's, I'm, he's I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on mute. I'm just moving around my office. So no, I'm. I'm good. Let's go. Okay. So the question. So the question I've got really leads from this that I hadn't thought about, and so until we started talking about it. But we're talking about people issues, and we're talking about making sure that um, that that we're creating a, a system where people aren't uh, under pressure and, and they cut corners around food safety or make decisions that, that lead to to health issues. But how do you? And I don't want to put you on the spot, so you can talk really like <laughs> so, generic. So you're, you're not going to put me on the spot, but you go ask my question anyway. I'm going to ask you the question, but I, okay. but but I want you to like talk about it generically without yeah um like how do you how do you identify employees i mean you're you're you you've got a a team of individuals that do food safety at trophy you've got a lot of people in the organization that that are responsible for controlling food safety and quality how do you uh, how do you identify people that that are um that that you think are going to do a good job as a person in in your hiring yeah, so that's fantastic. And actually, <clears throat> excuse me, it does lead on to something else I wanted to, to, to talk about today. Um, so there's a lot of talk around and there's conferences and there's whole, there's whole conferences uh, dedicated to food safety culture. And it was an interesting topic at IEFP. Um, and, and there was certainly some interesting uh, information come across. But the fact is that we talk about things like food safety culture as a... I want to say almost as a theme or as a as an idea, because what we don't do and what we don't readily do is find mechanisms of easily translating that to day to day actions and things that need to happen in manufacturing. So I know there are some great work going on there. And of course, um, I still I'll, I'll, I'll actually make sure she's name checked here. I still think some of the best early work on this that was done um, and, and, and a, a lady who never got, in my opinion, um, the recognition she deserved was Dr. Debbie Clayton. And Ben, I believe you yeah, came yeah, to absolutely. Wales to work with Debbie. Yes. Um, for me, Debbie was doing this when no one else was, when it wasn't cool. Um, and she's she's a very bright because she was a psychiatrist or psych, my apologist psychologist by original training, and then she came to to UIC and um, did this stuff around you know food safety culture when it wasn't called food safety culture. So what we do we we try and do different messaging and actually 
we're just about to launch some new training here at Trophy, and I wanted to actually get it out in the public domain. We're, we've decided that we're no longer going to use the term food safety culture, and we're going to encourage people to make kebabs. Right? And what you're going to do is you're going to make your kebab by demonstrating knowledge, good attitudes, beliefs, ownership, behaviours. Okay? That's how we are. So we're going to make sure what knowledge is it you need. Okay? So before we can, we can get people to have um, a good culture, we need to know, they need to know what's the right knowledge. So we're asking people and we're doing training and, and over the period of time, people are going to fundamentally make a kebab. Um, and then we're going to talk about the attitudes, the beliefs, the ownership. And ownership is, is, is one of the keys. And one of the messages we're using is, and, and I don't mean this in any negative way at all, um, we, we are starting to use the phrase, we are everybody's mum and dad. So we are making products in our factory that you are putting in your car and you don't know us and you don't know my people. Okay, yet you're you're going to trust them to feed your family and to feed your kids and all of that kind of stuff. So we need to treat our products and we need to behave in a way as if we were the parent or the guardian or the mum or the dad or whatever of the individuals that are going to uh, are going to consume that product. So that's what we we do with people. We don't overly complicate stuff. We simply say. If you wouldn't feed that to your family, if you wouldn't feed that to your friends, why do you think it's good enough for anybody else's children? Why do you think it's good enough for anyone else's uh, husband or wife or so on? So we, we're asking people to just take that ownership. And for me, that's how we will improve. So so we're, we're building up a food safety culture plan within our for our people. But we're saying, OK, in order for you to be good at what you do and for us to say we have a, a good culture food safety what knowledge is it that you need for your role here and then we will ask people to um, we will identify the knowledge we will train them we will assess them and and we're not doing testing this nonsense that you sit them in people in the room talk at them for an hour give them a five question multiple choice thing and they get four out of five and somehow they're good enough to work in the uh, work in manufacturing that's just wrong and it needs to change so we're talking with people and saying okay um what knowledge and we're asking and then we're doing a lot of show and tell so what what my qa team are now doing is they're going to the the point in the operation and they're saying to the people okay talk me through what you're doing okay why are you doing this check why is it important for that seal what's the significance of this in nice easy to use um, common sense phrases and so what we're saying is we know these people are competent it doesn't matter that they sat in a room or didn't sit in a room or that they passed the test or didn't pass the test we actually watched them do the role mm. we know they can do it properly so that's what we're doing we're also encouraging people to to have you know to have good attitudes when they see something say something if you don't believe something is correct um we're also doing something now called um uh, caught doing it right we're actually instead of you know get giving people trouble for doing it wrong we reward people when we notice them doing something really well Okay, so instead of caught doing it wrong, we're saying, this person was caught doing it right. Something fell on the floor, and they didn't know we were watching, but they put it straight into the bin, no questions asked. Those types of behaviours. So so we need to do way more of that, and that's what we've started to do here. We're, we're at the early stages in it, but knowledge, attitude, beliefs, 
ownership and behaviors, kebabs. Let's just get it really simple. Um, no, but you see, I, I really, I really, it took me until you were halfway through all of that I got to it. realize that you were yeah. talking about um, um, not actually making kebabs. Yeah. <laughs> so, Trophies, yeah, new, but, new but, material. Yeah, trophy, yeah. yeah. So how, I, you I didn't think you made kebabs. Seen, I mean, you've yeah. seen my resume. Yeah. No, but what we're doing is part of the yep. training. We will have these fake beads yep. and yep. what yep. have you, and we'll say, okay, you get the letter K. You yeah. have yeah, qualified yeah. with this knowledge, yeah. and and you will be fully qualified when you've made your own kebab. Um, <laughs> and and it's way much better than saying we have a culture of food safety. Everybody says that. Okay, you don't go to a single right. co company and say, "Oh, we've got a terrible food safety culture." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like we are crap. Everybody's and and one of my worries, and I used to get it when I audited. If a company have to tell me. They've got a good culture of food safety. They don't have a good culture of food safety. Right, right. It should, it be, should be evident. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so what we're doing is we're saying to people, let's take our time. Let's reward those people with a good attitude. And then we talk about beliefs. And we have to recognize we, we do live in multicultural um, countries and so on. But, but beliefs around food safety, the five-second rule. Uh, you have no idea, Dr. Schaffner, the number of times your name comes up when people say about the five-second rule. And I will use, you know, like Dr. Linda is my friend. Well, Dr. Schaffner is also my friend yeah. and <laughs> on this subject. So um, I have more than one friend, um, Dr. Schaffner, as is Dr. Chapman. But Dr. Schaffner is my friend, and, and he, I can lead you to papers and information that's been published on the five-second rule. So we talk about where, you know, is the five-second rule a real thing? And, and we educate and say, well, if you drop this on a fairly clean surface... Uh, would it make a difference if it was there five seconds or 50 seconds? So we use that about and then and say, but it's the ownership. I own this product. OK, if I go in and I see someone putting that product in their car when I'm in the shopping uh, supermarket, when I'm out shopping, I should be dying to go up to them and say, you made a great decision. You have no idea the amount of care and attention that me and my colleagues put into making sure you would have a really good experience and you would enjoy this and it would be safe for you to feed to your friends and family. Yeah? And, and we need to do that. And then the behaviours, the whole caught doing it right. Rather than, rather than be negative about stuff, I, and I'm with you, and we talked about people who commit fraud and all these things. I'm a great believer. Most people want to do the best job they can. Absolutely. Most people come to work and they just want to come to work, do the best job they can and go home. And it's our job as the leadership to provide them with the facilities and the equipment and the knowledge and everything is to allow that to happen. Because people don't come to work generally to be terrible and right. they don't want. So, you know, we need to make it happen. So, as I say, we just what we found is terminology confuses. And I don't mean, that doesn't mean because I have some great people um, and I, I, I hope there's nothing negative taking that. But people talk about food safety culture, food safety culture, but that has to mean something to our 300 food handlers. Okay. I can read the papers on that subject. And there's some great work being done. Um, I, I know that Ben, you were involved with um, uh, the Lone Jespersen's um, and, uh, PhD yep. research. Yep. Um, Carol Wallace, who's, who's a friend of all of us, and, 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 and there's any number of people we can name who are doing some great work in this. Um, but And I think, Don, you and I talked about the whole notion of um, 
how do we get good good information, the kind of stuff that's being presented at IFP, this great research, how do we get that to bridge into a hands-on practical thing that the people at the front end, uh, the coalface, um, the people who are doing the job and the hands-on, how do we actually get that to them? And, and that, for me, as I've said before, that's one of the things I don't always get at IFP. I get the research, but I don't get the pathway to how, how I can actually do anything with it. Uh, here in, in my manufacturing uh, site. So, um, yeah, we need to make sure that the great work that's being done by the people who are researching this actually becomes meaningful actions in, you know, in, in, in manufacturing. Otherwise, we're all just having this statement that we have a food safety culture. Um, and, and we have, and we reward people as a company. Um, and I've spoken with people, and, 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 and I think I've, I might have told this uh, on the last time I was on, we encourage ownership. So when someone in, on the line, um, who's some of our early paid workers, if they see something that they don't think is right, they will absolutely come straight to me or one of my team. And they will say, Gordon, that's just not right to me. Or I'm seeing on the label, it's supposed to have this and it doesn't have that. Or this, I know this product, we've made it before and we've missed an ingredient or something like that. Um, and if We've said, look, if we delay the start of a line by two, three, five, ten minutes, it doesn't matter because that cost and that time I can make up. What I can't do is rework a thousand cases of, of product. Right, and, right. And we do, and we reward people for these findings. And you have no idea how happy people get. We get, we, um, uh, I, I know you've experienced it, Don, but I guess Ben is an addict. Uh, Tim Hortons gift cards. You have no <laughs> idea how far a, Tim, a $10 Tim Hortons gift card will get you in getting good behaviors. People love. Um, to, to demonstrate they're doing it right. And we now have, a, a, again, I think I've told you this, we have our food safety audits unannounced. Um, right. We were one of the, the very early adopters, proper unannounced, i.e. not that we know it's going to be within this month because that's not really unannounced. Um, but proper unannounced where they will just turn up uh, one day. And when that happens, our line operators, they want to know how it's going on. And not the last time, the last audit, the time before um, when the audit happened, I had a line operator coming to me to complain that the auditor hadn't spent a lot of time with her and her line because she had so much more she wanted to tell him. And I said, well, let me tell you, if I was still auditing and you came to me and said, I'd like to tell you more about what we're doing here and why we do stuff, I would be thrilled that you weren't hiding from me. Um, and, and that costs us Tim Hortons gift cards or Swiss Shelley dinners, it doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars because we just engage people about, you know, everybody's mum and dad. If it's not good enough for you and your family, it's not good enough for someone else. It's those kind of behaviours. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to identify the right people, give them the, the information that they need to do the job, trying to provide them with the best tools and equipment to do that job and, and supporting them. And you know what? If something goes wrong, then we don't blame. Things happened, let's fix it. The fact that you saw uh, that we had loaded the wrong packaging onto the line, okay, um, that was a great find. So don't be upset that we put the wrong pack on the line okay, because actually you saved us a whole ton of money um, because we don't now have the wrong product in the wrong pack. So don't feel bad about the fact that we, you loaded the wrong product or the wrong packaging. Feel good that before it became a big problem that you were open and, and you, you got it sorted and you got the support. Um, and 
and people want to do a good job. I, I just find it very disingenuous when I hear people criticise um, the, the people who work in food manufacturing. Um, the people that I, I've worked in several manufacturing sites people that work in manufacturing are fantastic and they're doing a good job and they want to do the best job they can and as leaders we need to make that happen so so make kebabs that's what i say kebabs make kebabs make kebabs with gordon make kebabs with gordon that's a tv show it's like um, that guy used to do the painting on for the big hair on uh, tv ba- show. yeah bob ross bob yeah, ross <laughs> that's right make, make so I, can, I can't paint I do stick men and women, but um, maybe I can make kebabs. But no, that's how we do it. So, Ben, to, to answer your question, you get the right people and you just set reasonable expectations and you provide the time and the resource to do it right and worry more about doing it right than doing it wrong. Yeah, and I, I would say in terms and at, at the beginning of that um, long soliloquy, um, you talked about IAFP and what we can do. And I would say that, that there's typically a PDG, a professional development group for everything. And and I would say that 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 idea of how do we communicate that information to frontline workers would fall squarely uh, in the mission for the food safety education PDG. Um, uh, their mission is to provide a forum for IAFP members and interested others to learn, network, and share information and resources about education, training, and outreach for various audiences. So so there is a way within IAFP to work on that and to find like-minded individuals. And uh, I'm just looking at the committee membership uh, list, Gordon, and I don't see your name. So there's a place where you can get involved. Yeah, well, but you don't see my name because I haven't been to IFP for five years. <laughs> yeah, you could still be a PDG member. You don't have I to go could. to the meeting. But, and the, but the problem with the, the you're right, and, and good, you know, so shame me, that's okay. Um, uh, but you're right, I should I should get involved, but then there are other, probably 10 other PDGs that happen at the same time. Oh, yeah, you have to, yeah, and of course, yeah, and, that's, and, you, and you have to, and you have to plan, right. plan yep. that pathway, but you're right. Um, I, I do think that the PDGs, um, are getting better when we're back on the IFP. Um, I still think that they could all do a little more um, educational at the PDG itself. So, um, you know, the 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 PDG on education. Maybe we should have a we should have a discussion for an hour on methods of communication and so on, as opposed to oh um, yeah, well, it, what publication sounds... will do and and all of those. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, it sounds like a perfect idea for a roundtable uh, at the annual meeting. Like what works for, for yes. educating uh, frontline uh, workers what, and, you know, and, and, and have a, a good discussion on that. So, yeah, yeah I think, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's a way to engage with that absolutely. So, within and, the association. And, and, of course, we are getting better. Everybody is getting better. But I always feel that we need to make sure that we're not um, making things too much of an academic exercise without actually having an understanding of what that really means at the sharp end. Well, and so here, here's the thing. If you look at the membership of the association, the leadership model is uh, academic, government, and industry. But if you look at the bulk of the people who 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 are members, it's folks in the industry. And so, mm-hmm. if if it's not, if the industry needs are not being met or they're not being addressed, it, the, we can lay that blame at the feet of the majority of the membership who 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 are not, you know, who aren't making that happen. And I'm not singling you out here, but what I'm saying is that that is a, that, that those resources within the association uh, can be brought to bear by by those people stepping up and saying, hey, look, we yeah, it's not about publishing another paper. Um, you know, in my case, it is, but 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 in what makes your life better is to is to is to do this thing around uh, educating oh, frontline workers, and and there's a, I mean, there's a whole sequence of events that obviously have to happen to get there, including um, navigating program committees and stuff. You're right, um, and I think I also think though there's a there's a mechanism and a way of getting 
a proposal through the programme committee that people who do a lot of these things know that someone who normally works in um, in manufacturing wouldn't necessarily know the structure and the way to get it through. And if you, you know, th th I'm, I'm sure there are tweaks because certain people um, seem to always manage to get stuff through the programme committee and certain people don't. And, you know, you have no idea um, the number of times I wanted to get GFSI on the agenda before GFSI was a thing in North America and people were just not interested because it didn't apply to them. And uh, yeah, so you're right. We need to navigate it and, and, and we need to make our voices heard because you're also right. We The manufacturers are the bulk of the, the membership um, and therefore if their needs are not being met, um, they, they need to be making their voices heard and their, and their dollars count. And the other thing I would say, too, is it doesn't have to be at the annual meeting. One of the other things, and I'm, I'm just coming in as the chair of the webinar committee, um, yep. and, and, and you know, we could do a webinar. We could do a webinar series on the topic, and uh, it's easy to do. Uh, we recently, the IAFP Foundation removed the financial restriction, so no longer do you need to have funding. Um, uh, you can have a webinar that's open to everybody within the association. You just have to step up and organize it and plan it, and, uh, and, and, it, and then that's available forever right it'll be saved as a webinar recording on the on the website and then it can be viewed by other people and i mean i could imagine a whole webinar series on on the topic with various speakers talking from you know diff their different perspectives absolutely today's webinar is brought to you by the letter k <laughs> yes yes it's, it just writes itself it does right. knowledge attitude uh, behavior ownership yeah, absolutely uh, yeah kebab the next time you eat a kebab you're going to um, be thinking about safety culture. Absolutely. My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. I, unfortunately, it's not done, but, I'm, but no, it's great. And here's the other challenge we have, though. When you look at organizations like IFP and the annual meeting and so on, you're quite often already preaching to the converted that the type of people that will attend or who even know about the organization um, and I think that's the challenge, and that's why I really appreciate the work that people like Ben and, and some of those are doing on outreach and extension, because I think that's, I think that's the challenge. Okay, like we three are, are here, and we're all coming at food safety from a slightly different point of view, and and we all clearly enjoy what we do. Um, so, and and why wouldn't we? Because it's it's interesting and challenging and all those other things. But the fact is, we need to get other people. Um, engaged in that, and and one of the one of the great pleasures that I get um, when I do go to a meeting or stuff is seeing some people that were students of mine when I when I taught at, at Wales, or people who have worked for me in other organisations are now very active. I mean, I have some people who have worked for me who are now PDG chairs, and yet they've never even heard of IFP until they worked with me. So I I I. I think that's the exciting part is to make sure that we continue to get more people involved so um no there's a, a lot of work to do i think we're all um none of us are going to you know be out of a job necessarily um certainly not at least for the need of food safety i mean we may be out of a job because you know we we say something controversial or we swear and and the beauty of being an academic is you just call that academic freedom um the down point of being me is you call that a customer and um you've done no cost as a contract so because there's so obviously so much more that you can say when you're not um restricted 
um, and, and stuff. But all of that said, you know, I still think we're moving, the industry is moving forward way much better than it's ever been. And I think that, you know, we're seeing outbreaks. I know there's obviously talk around the listeria and sandwiches and different things. Um, but but a lot of the, the increasing uh, information and the numbers are simply based on way much better investigations and the ability to actually trace something uh, through whole genome sequencing and other techniques to, to a specific instance. No, I don't think we're actually worse than than we were five, ten years ago. I think we're better. I just think investigation is is, is also way much more improved. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, the way I the way I explain it is uh, like the red red queen uh, phenomenon in Alice in Wonderland. You have to run uh, ever faster just to keep in the same place. And so, yeah. yeah, whole genome sequencing is really or next generation sequencing is really driving driving that process. So, uh, cool. yeah, and I, I, I absolutely agree. We need to get more companies uh, involved in in IFP and food safety. One of my favorite things to do is whenever there's an outbreak, I look up the company name and then I go and search the membership directory and I see if they have members and in, invariably they don't. So. <laughs> and, then, and then we and the, then we call them out on the podcast, and, and right. sometimes they shaming, get a member. You're not shaming. You're not shaming the membership. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll shame the non-members. Absolutely. But before we go, actually, I need to do this. Nothing to do with food safety, but three of my team actually do listen to your podcast regularly. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. And actually, I had to tell them I had been on one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, didn't Google me on it. And when I told them I'd been on it, they looked at me like I'd made that shit stuff up. I, mean, <laughs> I said, no, type Gordon Haber on Food Safety Matters. I said, oh, you were on an episode. Ben knows the number, 140-something. Anyway, so can I name check Dinesh, Catherine, and Maria, please, from Trophy Foods? Um, yes. Because they are fans of the show, and they um, do listen, and then they'll they'll quite often come and tell me what you guys were discussing, and and I do have to use this. So you don't, and you don't whole, have to listen. You can you have listeners that listen for I you. I do, and then they synthesize. Nice. And then they'll say, Gordon, you know, the five second rule is real, or it's not real, or hand washing was important, <laughs> and now it's not. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Schaffner said, or Doctor yeah. Chat said. And that's why, you know, and actually your name did come up on the five-second rule when we did the last training we did. Yeah, and good. someone mentioned, and they must have found uh, one of the papers or something you did for a newspaper, a feature anyway. Yep, yep. And, um, a feature. And they said, um, well, according to Dr. Schaffner, <laughs> it's something. And I said, well, according to me, Dr. Schaffner is a friend. I'm going to ask him because if you're lying to me, then we're all in trouble. Yeah, so, let me text him right now. Yeah, let me, absolutely. Yeah. Let, let me get him up on Messenger on Facebook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm more likely to find him on Messenger or Twitter. Let me tweet him because he's not answering his phone. Anyway, no, there's um, we've got some great people working in food safety in the industry um, and in academia and in enforcement. I just think we need to have a, a sense of realism. And I, and I still think there's there's a long way to go. Um, oh, for sure. You know, and the challenges and, keep coming, and right? The challenge I mean, is great, though. You know, and the challenge is great. Though. I, I, I love the fact that we've got these bright people uh, coming through and, 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 you know, they are going to find solutions. I, I have no doubt that, um, that, that someone somewhere will come up with the test or the chemical to, uh, you know, denature a certain protein or something. They, they will find it because, because there are clever people. And, you know, I was talking... Uh, we have some, we have some um, 
customer visits in, in, in the, the factory today. Uh, we invite our customers to come and spend time with us and we take them around the, the plant and this is one of our big clients is here today. Um, and then I, I chat to them about what we do for our staff and training and different things. And, 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 and again, they get engaged. They really like it. Um, they like to, to know what we're doing and, and we're very proud um, and we love having people here because we want to work with our, our customers and, and um, make sure that we get it as best we can for them and we're addressing their needs and, and concerns and and I think that education and, and again we've talked about this before people think there's a, a big mystery to what a lot of manufacturers do and I think a lot of that is because manufacturers think they should keep it mysterious um, as opposed to say look come and come and watch the stuff being roasted and come and spend some time and you see um, you know how it's coated in chocolate and then you'll understand why whilst Ben and Dawn have lost weight I've gained 30 pounds uh, then you'll understand my dilemma but we do encourage that and I think we should we should absolutely see more of that so yeah, you know, and that's one of the fun things about doing the podcast is we have obviously food safety professionals that listen, uh, but um, but now um, we have uh, people that are just regular people that listen, and and they get to hear our perspective, and it's great when somebody from the industry like you can be on and they can hear your perspective as well. You know, I think it's um, people often perceive the food industry as being full of crooks and people out to get away with stuff, and 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 by and large, you know, uh, peanut corporate of America aside, um, it's full of good people that want to do the right thing. And, and I think it's good for people to, to hear that, right? Uh, because yeah. it makes it makes it makes it more more real um, yeah. rather than something abstract that they just don't know about. No, I agree. And I think that we need to stop making it a big secret. You know, if if people are trying their best to do something and and occasionally things don't go 100 percent right, they, they will fix it. People. Yep. That's just that's just life. Um, and I think that we need to get way much more customer confidence. But there's also customer education because it's interesting the types of things that consumers, when you look at the research, the types of things that consumers worry about under the heading, the food safety things you worry about, even on food safety things. So they're worrying yep. about pesticides or veterinary drugs. or And, and we generally know there's no not a lot of, of real significant um, issues with those types of areas um it, it's but there's lots of negative press or organic versus non-organic or uh, non-gmo versus gmo and and you know and people are putting non-gmo and paying for for stuff to be certified as non-gmo because customers like it um and that's great that they do but the consumer should probably do some research and say but actually there isn't a gm version of that in the world anyway so if i just buy the normal stuff maybe i'm getting the non-gmo version because there isn't a GM version um, and you know it's, it's just interesting that and, and, and I think that food safety education and, and food education is a fantastic topic and and as always I really enjoy when I get to spend time chatting with with you both and all our other people I am um, I was visiting some friends I obviously saw um, I should name check her because I haven't seen her for a while Dr Michelle Daniluk you know at the IFP as she takes over as a secretary that was nice to see um, and then, our, I don't know if you've had Wendy Wade White on the show. We have, uh, no, we have but not. We should, no, but we, we should. should. Yeah, you should. And, and um, um, we went and spent some time with her and her, her lovely husband at their home uh, in Atlanta. And um, Andrew thought he had died and gone to heaven when he saw the, <laughs> saw the alcohol. It's, yeah, they. they I've have never quite seen. The... 
quite the palatial estate, yes. But, with, but the with, bar. Yeah. Yep. There just yep. wasn't a thing that you could think of to drink that they didn't have. Right, uh, right. It was great time. So it was a great time to spend with them. And then, of course, Todd, that's um, Wendy's husband. When we started chatting stuff about food safety, he would just wander up and go and do stuff and then come back with some snacks. And, and, and it was fantastic. So, yeah, so name-checking all my friends. I, I missed you all for uh, the longest time. But I've already got IFP next year on my calendar. Um, it's in Cleveland, I think. Or yes, yeah. So I've got that. I've got that on my calendar, and um, yeah, looking forward to to spending more time with people. And um, and if we have time, um, I just want to touch. Also, um, I'm looking for um, karaoke again because karaoke oh. this year was unbelievable. It was, it's been... it was the best. <laughs> and and I don't know the the lady in question, but. Um, Ben, you know the one. The, there was a young lady that yes. joined us. She owned it. She's in. Um, I don't. <laughs> she, so anyway, she, she she's a listener to the podcast. Oh, is she? So, yeah. if are you allowed to name check her because I can't remember her name, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Veronica. Yeah, yeah. Nora Veronica, Nerd. Nora, Nora Nerd. Yeah, she was fantastic. So she owned it, and then <laughs> not not linked to us, but one of the world's biggest people wearing the world's tiniest T-shirt was also quite a, a, a sight to behold, singing karaoke. So we had the best fun, both with my food safety people and then some social. It was excellent, and it was um, great. I, I do I do miss not seeing you. Um, well, so thank you for for the invitation to come back on your podcast as well, and um, hopefully I'll, I'll see much more of you over the next year or so um, uh, prior to IFP twenty twenty. Well, thanks for coming on. This is uh, this it. is great. Yeah, uh, we we always uh, you know Don and I like to talk to each other, but it's always great to to have someone else's uh, perspective on all the food safety things. And and uh, you brought us uh, d- down to uh, Beyond Chicken, Chicken. Yeah, uh, and kebabs. And kebabs. Like a kebab with Beyond Chicken. Beyond Chicken kebab. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad. So you need to you need to not edit any of this out because no. we must own the copyright to that. Yeah. The fact that we put it out there first. If anybody launches this, we've got time, this should be time and date stamped. We could be retiring this time next year with our Beyond Chicken kebabs. I think we're doing yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, love to both your lovely um, wives and um, your children and so on as well. And um, yeah, no, hopefully we'll see you soon. And please don't forget to invite my better half onto your show. Right, the the, uh, yeah. the offer is out, so we're, yeah, we're I'll, ready. Um, I'll, mention text- at, I'll, yeah. I'll mention it at dinner tonight, um, and then we'll... Uh, no doubt um, you'll get the email. But I know that um, auditing and safety auditing at IFP is, is on the agenda for, for that discussion as well. So Perfect. It's all great. And, and I see you. Um, I, I, I do miss you, though. I mean, it's always nice when, when, when I get to see you. And I, I do miss these chats. And, and I know that um, I say I've name-checked my team. They like the fact that, um, that we seem to be a little bit uh, crazy. Um, and we still have a sense of humor and can still do food safety. And actually, I think that's the message they like, that you don't have to be serious and, you know, boring and a fuddy-duddy to still care about um, food safety. So um, hopefully younger people who are younger than you, Ben, uh, certainly a lot younger than me. It's my birthday on Saturday, by the way. Oh, so happy probably, birthday. You've probably still got time to um, post something on Facebook, get it ready. Um, I count, <laughs> I'm, I'm editing I, it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm and, getting and ready. Check, I check who hasn't posted anything, by the way, and then um, I think, well, they didn't mention it in the mic. So you're definitely when they're when you know your friend's birthday this week. I'll say I don't care. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Wait, so it friend. was last Saturday, or it's no, this it's coming this Saturday? Saturday. Oh, so okay. get ready. Okay. Okay. Like a minute past midnight. Be try and be first. Oof. 
Okay. You can set a time thing. You guys must know how to do that, not to post it till a certain time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I can figure... Someone will figure that out. Yeah, I'm sure one of your... <laughs> one of your five- or six-year-old children will... Right. <laughs> able to do it. Anyway, thank you again, gents. It's been great um, chatting with you. All right, well, it's thanks again. It's our pleasure. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. God bless right. and love to all your families. All right, thanks. bye-bye, Gordon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. show that was a show that's a show that was good it was that was great gordon's always he's he's always uh um he's got he's got stuff he wants to say which i like and uh he he brings he asks us good questions that was fun yep i i really did forget he was on before but (laughs) once once you mentioned it it's like oh of course he was on before yeah yeah um okay so this one's mine yep um and my goal is to uh, get this edited before I play hockey tonight. So cool. Hopefully, hopefully that happens. So did he? <laughs> did he have a jar of pennies or a jar of candy I, that he I, was playing? Maybe with? yes, and maybe or maybe like a, a dangly bracelet that was uh, that yeah, he was hitting up was against very, his, his teacup. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of. Clinking. I felt like we should acknowledge that in case anybody's listening. Uh, that yeah. was not me or Ben doing that. So merengues, yeah. uh, penny penny merengues. <laughs> Uh, is that I think what you're the, thinking of ass I think I think I might be thinking of ass pennies. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so I got I got this one, and we have more than ample uh, show titles just in real time here. Um, so it's there's a good one. Um, okay, so we already talked today about what we're doing two weeks from now. I have okay. Uh, I can't do something. On the, the tenth in the afternoon is kind of out for me. I got a an event that I'm prep that I got to prep for, and then all day on the eleventh is out. Okay, but I could do something like. Uh, could you do the ninth? Well, 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 well. Ninth is. Let's let's look somewhere else here. What about what about the twelfth? Or the sixth. Um, 
Fridays uh, are not good for you. Yeah, twelfth, twelfth. I've got pretty good availability. Yeah, sixth is 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 not great. Okay. Twelfth, uh, twelfth. I could do um, um, morning basically. Okay, well, that, that might be difficult for me. Let's let's look let's look elsewhere. Um, what can I move around on the ninth? So. Here's the thing. I could do something. I got all morning on the 10th, like, that, that's available. But okay. we have writing buddies in the middle. It's smack right in, the in the middle, middle of it. So so, so when what, what's your heart out on the 10th? On the 10th, I have uh, 1130. Okay. So I could do, like, 9 till 11 for this, and then we could move writing buddies to 11, and then... I can get to my eleven thirty, or well, the problem is that writing buddies involves that's, multiple moving pieces. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Okay, um, okay. Let me look at something else here. This is this is like not good. And then the week after, I'm in Hawaii, so I, I'm out of the country. So yeah, that's not going to happen. Where are you going? No, opposite. Portugal. Portugal. Oh, sweet. Okay, so the 12th is not good, and the 13th is not good for you? Is that? Uh, like- so the 13th, I, I, all I'm doing is leaving for Portugal that night. But you know what? Let's come back to, let's come back to the 6th, okay? Because okay. I, can, I, could do, I could do the morning of the 6th, honestly. I could um, do any time on the 6th. You name all it. All right. So, so let's say... Uh, let's say nine o'clock on sure. the sixth. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like wide, wide open. All right, perfect. Yeah. So Thank, let's say nine, nine two. Oh yeah, it's fine. I just it, I've got to be at work that day, so that means means bringing my microphone. But uh, I I don't want to. I mean, we're on a roll here. I want to keep. Uh, yeah. Want to keep keep them coming. So. Yeah, exactly. And I don't mind doing them every. You know, that's just that's just next week. That's perfect. Uh okay. Okay, cool. So the six, and that would that turns out to be good because that'll put us like, well, kind of. Maybe we'll do the one on the sixth, and then release it the week of the ninth, and then we'll do another one when you get back from Portugal. Sure, something like that. Or I'm gonna see. We're gonna do a live one on the twenty fourth. Yes. Right. Yes. And then yeah, so that so that that's actually not too bad, right? So it's like yep. we'll release this one this week. We'll do the one on the sixth. Put it out the week of the ninth, and then we're still on every two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I mean, we'll just put. I mean, I, I just we should just put them. Out. Yeah, we could schedule it. We should schedule it to go out on the week of the ninth if we wanted to. So yeah, just because we're gonna record. Yeah, or we can get it up on the sixth. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Yep. I'm I'm overthinking it. I'm overthinking it. Yep. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna start uh, messing with this one right now. That sounds good. Um, yeah, we're good. Okay, We're all yeah, good. So I'll I'll get I'll get the uh, links uh, up to Dropbox sure. uh, momentarily. Yeah, I, no no super rush because it's going to take me a little bit to edit this. So okay, yep. Okay, bye bye.